0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 to 17. For it is we who are the circumcision, if you understand Jewish culture, you understand that, we who serve God by His Spirit who boast in Jesus Christ and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Then Now that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, sorry, not that I've already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So I'll quickly pray and we'll invite Pastor up. Dear Lord God, we thank you for the word. Thank you for um, the opportunity to come here and hear from you. I just pray that you speak through us, Lord God, and that you speak today and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Um,
1: uh, When I was six or seven, roughly there, I wanted to be, when I grew up, I wanted to be a police officer. Now I know a little bit more about salaries than I did then, so if I was doing it again, I might want to be something, you know, with an even greater salary. But I wanted to be a police officer. And my brother, uh, Luke's dad, um, who is 14 months younger than me, he wanted to grow up and be a robber. So, interesting career choice. Not that uncommon where we grew up. And... um, and, 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 and the truth is that he actually, by the end of our teens, he was probably closer to his career of choice than I was to mine. And uh, that's actually true. Um, but God is kind and gracious and turns all things around. wonder when you were six, seven, little. I wonder what you wanted to be when you grew up. Because we all understand that, you know, growing up is part of life. And and God wants us to grow up. God wants us to grow up a certain way. We've all met someone. I don't want you to tap the person next to you and say, oh, I was thinking of you. We've all met someone who actually grew up physically, but they're still waiting to catch up, you know, in terms of who they are on the inside um, and maybe spiritually. Just, you know, they've grown up in their body. When I was in my 20s, I, I, I didn't get married till I was 29 years old. In Christian circles, who knows, if you grew up in the church 29, mate, you, you know, like as a boy... Um, you know, at that time, at least, it's changed now. At that time, 29 was quite a senior age to be getting married. At that time, and um, and my pastor's wife used to say to me, "Darren, your brother is younger than you and so mature, but you, you're still like an adolescent." And, she, and I thought, well, it's true. I'm still part of youth group, and or not, you know, young adults. And my my brother had three kids. I was forced to grow up or he was forced to grow up a whole lot quicker than me. I was allowed to still go to the river and still go to the cricket nets on Sunday in between services while he was changing nappies. Life forced him to grow up quicker. But God wants ultimately wants all of us to mature. No one is meant to stay adolescent forever. I know it's hard to believe. But no one is meant to stay adolescent forever. I think we should stay if we're going to keep adolescence. We definitely should in terms of our enthusiasm and our spirit. You know, um, I, want to, I want to keep young in my spirit as my body um, continues to age. I definitely want to stay young in my spirit. I definitely want to keep an energy to the way I live my life and the way I live out my faith. I want to bring that kind of? I watch these guys, and, and then I watch how I pray, and then I watch the young guys pray, and I'm like, yeah, I want to, I want to have that fire in my belly. I, I want to, and there's little things you can do that that stir it up. I want to be that kind of person. I can remember being 21, 22 on a Sunday morning, and I lived in Liverpool at the time, and I used to go down to this public school that was empty, and I'd just like. Just pray like if you're not a Christian, if you don't have a church background, you're like, who is this weirdo? But stay with me. And I pray and I'm down there this morning, you know, the silver seats, the long silver seats in primary schools even if you're older you remember them and so I'd be down there and this day I'm on the silver seats and I'm praying like God do you move today God and do a work in hearts and for all those people who are slack God get hold of them and and all of us who are awesome God that's me if you could just be kind you know you think you're awesome anyway and and and, I'd be, and I remember I was praying and then I realized the cleaner was in the building and she was watching me it was a very awkward moment but you know I don't want to lose that fire I want to keep that young spirit on the inside. But as for the rest, I want to mature. I want to mature and God wants you and I to mature. And so today we're talking about the third part of our calling, which is to be a disciple of Christ, which you know, by its very nature and definition is to grow up in our faith and to mature in our life, in our believing and our following of Jesus. So we read Philippians chapter 3. We're going to go to that as our... Text today, but on the way there, let me read to you just a few verses earlier in the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippian church. He says this: Philippians chapter two, verses twelve and thirteen. He says, "Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence." Pause. Uh, right there, all on its own, is a sign of maturity um, that you will, that we would obey in absence, not just presence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to, in order to fulfill his good purpose. And so he says, continue to work out your salvation. You work it out, not work for it, but work it out, live it out. Because it's God who works in you. And right here we see the two parts of what it takes to grow to maturity. There's the God part, what God is working in us. And for me, that's that's an exciting and painful and wonderful and nerve-wracking part of life is that God working in us because he's going to take us places we don't necessarily want to go to work in us, what he ultimately wants to work. And then there's the other side of to work it out. There's a, there's a human side of it. And I want to talk about both. I talked about one in the last session. I'm going to condense that in the last service, sorry. I'm going to condense that and uh, and then I'm going to... Um, take us to the second part of this as well. There's a, there's a work that God does in us and I find that an exciting thought, God working in us, God working in you. It's actually a work, a good work that God wants to get done in us, in you. I wonder what that is in this season of life that God wants to get done in you. It's such an exciting thought that God wants to be at work in your life to bring you and to bring me to a maturity that we haven't previously known. And what I love about God is that He reveals it slowly, as we can handle it, as we're ready for it. He's not, aren't you? Thank God. If you if you're married um, or uh, you, you you if or if you've been married, you'll know that sometimes. Well, maybe you're not like me. Sometimes, in the way distant past, um, when I blow up, I have a used to be red-headed I have a temper to go with it naturally speaking and I get fired up and mate you knew it all and there's a whole lot to deal with thank God he's not like that he doesn't just unload it all on us and go right that 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 and that and but at, at my age right now in this season God's revealing things to me where I need to mature that, that at 23 he didn't even put on my radar that 33 didn't put on my radar he's putting different things on the radar then and different things now he's amazing I wish I was that disciplined and that wise as a parent but God at work in us and he's doing a good work in you and in me so let's have a look at a few things it says it talks about verse three Philippians three it says for we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised and like Luke said you we're not going to do a lesson in Jewish culture this morning we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us We put no confidence in human effort. And God working maturity in us, the first thought is simply this. It always starts with God's finished work of the cross. Now, for some of you, you know that, but I wonder if it's changed you, the way Paul talks about here. It always starts with God's finished work of the cross. Maturity um, finds its pivotal moment, its catalyst moment here. In verse 3, he says, We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. The New uh, New Living Translation says, verse 7 says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ or what Jesus has done. And so we're justified. We're made right with God. We come into right standing with God through Jesus alone, who he is, what he accomplished at the cross, his death on the cross for the sins of humanity. Obviously, it's a starting place for everything. And Paul, and this is the reason I bring it up, is Paul is living in and living out of this right standing, this renewed relationship that Jesus won for him. As God worked this for him, God worked it for him, and and it should change something. It should change people like it changed Paul. Verse 4, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. I mean, as an Australian, we're not even in the ballpark of um, religiously sound, but a Jewish person of the pedigree of, the Apostle Paul, I mean, this guy was it. He was the elite of the elite. And he says, everything that I live, I mean, I follow the commandments. I pray when you should pray. I'm in church when you should be in church. He could, he could recite the Bible to you. You could, you could just quote a verse to him right now. He could quote the next verse back to you, no matter where it's found in the Bible. He was that kind of guy. He was that kind of learner. This guy knew the Scriptures in a way that I don't know them and you don't know them at the age of 12 or 13. This guy was the elite. And he says, but everything that I would reconcile was kind of a big deal or valuable is nothing because the cross of Jesus has transformed everything. And it's meant to have that kind of profound effect in our lives. God working maturity in us. Our right standing with him. This is his plan A. There is no plan B. And so Paul understood that. And and the reason I want to raise it is simply this the cross, the work of the cross, created a revolution in Paul. It it, it didn't create a religious tradition. It created a revolution. It it, it set in motion a new rebellion in Paul that he says, for me to live is Christ. Uh, In fact, he says it here. Let me read it to you, Galatians. I've been crucified with Christ. Now, had he been crucified? No, but in his spirit, in his heart, he says, I've been crucified with Jesus. I no longer live. This is this is the power of the cross in the life of a believer. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's the kind of revolution that That went on in Paul. That's the kind of revolution. That's the kind of new rebellion that God wants to go on in us, that to the core of our being, because of the cross of Jesus, that something goes on that we are so radically different that we would say whatever was valuable before, like Paul in this passage says, is now like garbage to me. Do you ever go looking through your garbage for something? When do you go looking through your garbage for something? when you lost something valuable. So over the course of my life, I've gone looking, my adult life, I've gone looking for my keys in the garbage probably about 113 times, I reckon. They're valuable. Never gone back for a can. Lost a few checks when there were such things as checks. And a million other things that I've had to empty the bin for, but maybe not you. Because they're still valuable. And I wonder what in light of the cross, would still be valuable to us that actually says, hey, put it in its right place. Lesson its value in your life. And let the, let the cross of Jesus, what he accomplished there, his death for our sins, his resurrection, post the cross from the grave, opening up a new relationship with God, let that change us to the very core of our being. So number one is the cross. Number two thing that God Second way God matures us is by His Spirit's work in us. It's a whole subject on its own, but, but the incredible thought that God stirs you and stirs me and God moves you and God moves me um, is very powerful, very powerful. Sorry, I just got to pause. You just block your ears for a moment, okay? Hey, guys, I've got an hour and that's it. Could you give me how many minutes on that clock that I have? It had an hour and 23 and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I haven't got an hour and 23 to go. I'm pretty sure everyone here wants me not to have an hour and twenty-three to go. (laughs) Second way, thank you, great, got that. Second way, God matures us by His Spirit's working us, and and this is an exciting thought. When I think about it, 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 across, um, um, uh, sorry, first way, God matures us. Um, okay, stop, pause, the clock threw me. Number one, the cross. Number two, um, his work is an ongoing work. Let me read it to you. Got my spot back. Um, number one, it always starts with the finished work of the cross. Number two, listen to this from Philippians chapter 1, and verse 6, same book. It says, being confident of this, Paul says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus. So it starts at the cross, but it's an ongoing work across our life. And of course, the, the three big ones, i just going to give you your headlines. Number one is the word of God. There is no real change without the Word of God powerfully going to work in our lives. That's where it comes from. When I think about the layer upon layer in my own life, the building upon building, the foundation, the brick upon brick, it's the Word of God. And when I think about the, the revolutionary moments that have fundamentally been game changers, they mostly, for me, I can say, they come from the Word of God. Sometimes, you know, Christians have been around a while, especially from our tradition, awaiting on a word from God when actually spoken, it's just literally as, as far away as God's speaking is, rather than endlessly wandering and wandering in a maze and a haze, it's just opening up his word and then beginning to let it speak. This is his journal, his diary, the all-inspired scripture written for you and for me, that we might know the ways of God and the thoughts of God, the intents of God, the heart of God, the attitude of God, just it's already there. Number one way he's working right now is his word. Number two way, uh, he's working right now. is by his spirit. He's able to grab you and grab me in a moment of time and speak something into our heart. I was saying to Bron this week. I find the idea of prophecy the most incredible thing. We are we are right now. We've laid out the next you know what we believe is probably the next seven to ten years as our church, but we also talked about what we laid out in the past, believing that God had whispered it to us and we sit in the midst of it here and elsewhere. We sit in the midst of it right now. How extraordinary a thought is it that before any of it existed, God spoke into our hearts and our minds a thought that did not exist in a reality that wasn't here yet, but came to pass in accordance with his will at an appropriate time. God speaks to us by his spirit to bring us to maturity. It's a mind-blowing thought if we start to get our head around it. And then the third thing he uses, obviously, is circumstances. Circumstances. When I was in my early 30s, God spent most of his time with me for about nine years. I would have said I was surrendered. I would have said it was all about Jesus. And I believe at the core, the essence, it was. But just being broken down, just being undone, Watching nothing grow, watching nothing happen. If you you know, know me, I'm my nature is driven, and I'm not ambitious, but I'm driven. And so I watched as I drove, and nothing happened, literally for years, until I got to an end of myself that God needed to bring me to, before He could actually get something done. And God's going to do that in your life as well. So, and the guys in the first service were that that actually in more recent times something weird has been going on, and um. It's different to that, but it's God's. I, I recognise that something's going on. About three or four years ago, I was driving out to the, the river up past Manila. You all know the river, some of you do. I started to think about my dad, think about my history. I just started to cry in the car as we drove. And I'm like, what is going on? Where does this? I'm not that guy. I'm not the person with stuff to unpack. Like That just does my head in. And it started to dawn on me that actually I might have stuff to unpack. I'm like, oh gosh, help me please. And it just kept coming and then I'd watch a movie and there'd be something like my background come up and I'd get teary and I'd see the car. I was telling a story last week of the car and, and I'd, thank God they're nearly all extinct now. And, um, but I'd, I'd just get emotional about it. And so we are doing this professional development uh, we're we rolling it out for all of our pastors across the state and so they said well Darren you need to do it if we're going to get everyone to do it and so I went yeah no worries I'll do it and I'm sitting in the office with the lady doing professional support I'm like I have not really have anything to talk to you about I'm healthy I'm good I'm strong maybe I work too much so we talked about that and I thought yeah you know I actually know this I just need to implement it and I said oh, Bron did tell me to mention one thing to you Susan and that was my relationship with my dad and she got out these flip cards. I was now feeling like I was definitely in therapy. And she said, Darren, just, just, just pick a couple. And I picked these two cards. And in both cards, they were people about the age of 19 or 20. And they were both on their own. And I realized that something was going on in me. I, re- you know, I started to cry. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this is embarrassing for me. And uh, especially given I'm paying for it. Um, or someone was, like, I got paid to make me cry. Like, that's unfair, right? And, um, and we started to unpack it. I'm like, what on earth is going on? So anyway, you know, I think about it, I work on it. And then last week, this, this pastor, I wish I had my phone, sends me this text, he says, Darren, I'm praying for you today, um, you know, blah, 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 telling me all the awesome things about me. I wish I could read you the list of things he wrote and, and all these things. And then he says, just this throwaway line, he said, I'm covering you, I'm I'm protecting you in prayer today. Now I don't even know if that's theologically sound. I think so. Yes. I'm protecting you in prayer. Which was neither the core of the message. It's just this linking statement between what he'd said and what he was about to say. And tears started to well in my eyes. And I'm driving along and I'm like, what is going on, God? And I realized that actually. Being alone and being feeling like I'd been abandoned in my late teens and being the oldest of five children, that I realised that I had not felt protected in my life and at 48 years old, God is bringing it up. Now, I don't even want to admit it to you. I feel like I'm in therapy just here now with you and I, Christy. We're having a therapy session. I, I just feel I'm slightly embarrassed by it because it's not how I am. It's not how I'm wired. Well, actually it is, as it turns out, but <laughs> and I don't like that particularly. But I'm being honest with you because this is what God does. He uses circumstances in the timing of his choosing to get a work done in us. And so I left that and I went, right, I, didn't, I haven't felt protected. Dan let me down. <laughs> Zach. Will. Everybody. And um, I didn't feel protected. Even saying that's a weird thought. Like, who needs to be protected? And then I realize, Lord, I can't protect me. I don't need a man to protect me. I actually need to, like that again, I'm sorry I'm having a therapy session live. Just the thought of needing someone to protect me is just weird. But I realize that I need God to be my protector. I went, oh, okay. What does that look like? How does that work? God, I, I don't know how this works. I wouldn't have even recognized 10 minutes ago that I actually need you to be my protector. In fact, I don't like the thought that I need a crutch in any way, but the reality is I do need God in my corner and on my side. And so now I find myself in this work that is weird to me. And I don't know what it looks like for you, but God's doing the very same thing if He can get our attention. He's doing you. Yeah. And he's using my financial brokenness. He's, he's using the strain of the work environment. He's using whatever's going on at home. He didn't create it all, but he'll use it all to get a work done in us that's mature, maturing us. You know, maybe people judge you. Maybe people misinterpret you. Maybe you've stuffed it up and people are still judging you long after God's just moved on because the reality is in the moment that we turn back to him that God has already moved on from what has happened. People just haven't caught up yet. Maybe they'll never catch up. Maybe that's the maturing. Maybe God wants to work a work of grace in us based on what we've done and gone through. That we would become those who don't judge, but be the inclusive because of what we've lived. There's a, whatever it is, there's a work of maturity in you that God wants to get done in this season. And I'm not sure what it is, but I know that He's using circumstances to get it done. Let me close with this Bible verse. As I read it to you Romans 8:28 to 30 where we started this series and we know that in all things all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose for those God foreknew he also predestined to be what to be conformed to the image of his son maturity that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and then it goes on. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. May you, like me, be on the journey of maturity as God does what he does in our lives and as we do what we do to see our lives become all they were meant to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Let's stand